Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our patrons, this is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. And if you're not yet a patron but would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cuts live streaming and access to our 24-7 Discord members club, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech to find out how you can support us with zero commitment and instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows. Plus, you'll be keeping Ian and I in supply of ice cubes and clean underwear, both <laughs> essential during the, the, the heat wave we're currently having in the capital city of England here um, right now. And uh, thanks to everyone joining us live in, in the Patreon uh, live chat room. And listening to us uh, live. Sorry, quite an echo of the word live there. Um, and also thanks to Alex McQuilkin for being the very latest to keep Ian and I cool and fresh. Um, Alex, thank you very much for joining us as a patron. We Your are. Ice cubes are in my freezer. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yes. Now, let's start with some news. Uh, Xiaomi, the Chinese phone maker and electronics giant, is spreading its wings, flap, 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 and landing. <laughs> In the UK and other European markets, Engadget wrote this week. Uh, thanks to a partnership with CK Hutchinson, the company's smartphones will soon be available via Mobile Network 3, which Hutchinson owns. Now, Xiaomi has focused on Asia for many years and its efforts uh, have definitely paid off. It's consistently one of the top smartphone makers in the world and the company is also planning on entering the US market by next year, although there'll be some interesting discussion around that when that happens because the US isn't exactly keen on Chinese electronics companies at the moment. We've talked about uh, some of the issues Huawei's had in the United States recently. Now, in terms of consumer awareness, Ian, I think, you know, Xiaomi is pretty low here in the oh, UK. Yes. Um, it's probably in a similar camp to fellow Chinese manufacturer Huawei, we just mentioned before. Um, it's got nowhere even remotely close to the reach of uh, Samsung and Sony, LG and other uh, Asian manufacturers and, and obviously Apple, of, of course, in the US. Um, but what it does have, though is a price benefit. Xiaomi devices are high-end, or at least the high-end ones are, obviously, uh, but nowhere near as expensive as some of the competition. Let's we'll look at one of them that I've picked out here, uh, one of the most recent products. It's called the Mi 6, MI6. It was given 8.4 out of 10 overall on CNET and was described as, quote, the best phone you can't get, brackets, unless you, you're in China. Premium materials and top-of-the-line hardware means it's a flagship phone that competes with the Galaxy S8 and iPhone 7. Xiaomi's Mi 6 could do some real damage if the company sold it in more places. Well, now it might get to, Ian. How excited are you? Uh, and will you walk into the phone store and allow the sales assistant to say, show me the <laughs> money, Morris? Um, I would not allow them to say that, no, because that's uh, that's horrible. Um, I, the thing about the Xiaomi is that I've already got the I've got the Mi Five here. I'm going to go with Mi because Mi doesn't work with Five. Um, that I got sent a while ago, and um, it, because they they have been sort of branching out, although it, it wasn't a launch in the UK and US. 
you can get the phones in those countries if you're prepared to go off network, which is not an unreasonable thing to do. Um, and I have to say, it's very, very impressive. This thing's built like a, a a brick house. I mean, but not in a not in an unpleasant way. It's light. It's uh, it's got an it's got a it has a top and bottom bezel, but it has a very very narrow side bezel. Um, it, it's really nicely made. Um, they, I think a lot of them have... I'm just going to poke the hole here quickly. Steady on, uh, mate. It's a family yeah, show. Yeah, well, you know, it's a family show, etc. Yeah, so this is a dual SIM phone as well, which is uh, useful, although I expect that they'll hobble that when it comes to UK operators. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a great little phone. I've always really enjoyed using it. Um, camera's not perfect, but in terms of how you use it and you know what it is to use as a phone... I really liked it. I thought it was absolutely epic. Well, CNET.com also gave the Mi 5 a, a very positive review, gave it 8.2 out of 10 overall, um, and and compared it that year, this was 2016, to the Samsung Galaxy S7. It says it's an impressive yeah. product, uh, has the features to stand up against the very best, but it's a shame it won't officially be available worldwide. But it was still very, very highly rated and, you know, half the price of uh, the, the closest competition. So it's, I think... It's, it's all on about how, price, and there's no surprise yeah. that they're cheaper. But you know, it's 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 brilliant, and they're great phones. But will they be able to sell any? I suspect the answer is no. Well, not, the, not none, but not many. The problem's always going to be when it comes to promotions, because everyone knows about Apple and Samsung. That's fine. But if you walk into a phone store, you will very very rarely see any prominent placement of any non-mainstream brand. And if you go and ask one of the people selling the phones, you know, what phone would I, should I have? You know, you invariably get told, you know, do you, do you like an iPhone or do you like the Samsung? And I've done this a couple of times in person to check that it's accurate and pretend that I don't know anything about devices. And generally, you always get pushed towards um, a Samsung. So I think they're going to yeah. have to do some serious marketing spend, I think, and, and perhaps consider the fact that no one's going to be able to pronounce the name because it's spelled X-I-A-O-M-I, which isn't immediately obvious how to, yeah. pr- how to pronounce it. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's a minor problem, isn't it? But I'm, I'm sure that it will have an impact. But of course, if you can offer people very, very cheap phones that do all of the things that their very, very expensive phones do, and when you put it in their hand, they go, oh, this is actually a very, very nice phone. I think it's possible to sell them. I just think that, like you say, that the Samsung money is put behind retail so that they, they dominate and you walk in. And I always remember HTC saying this. I've probably told this story a million times on this podcast. But you, know, you, walk, into the, um, you walk into a shop with every intention of buying an HTC and you walk out with a Samsung because that's where you know the training and the money has been spent by Samsung to get store staff or you know to, to be into selling Samsungs that always so. happens when I go into into Morrison's and I walk in expecting to buy cat food and de-icer um, you know for separate purposes I should point out you know and I, and I and I walk out with four bags full of everything from luxury toilet paper to uh, hobgoblin ale Another. Is that not just a, a sort of side effect of you, you know, just not being able to say no to products? It's it's certainly, uh, yes, yes, essentially that. <laughs> um, also shopping when hungry and after a beer. Uh, both can result in unexpected items in my personal bagging area. Um, well, if you have a Xiaomi phone, if you like the look of the Xiaomi phones, why not tell us about that Hello at techpodcast.uk. That is where you can send your thoughts and your feelings.
The BBC has announced it will start running adverts on podcasts available outside of the UK. This is for the very first time, and this is according to... um well, the BBC. The move is part of an initiative to find new funding to su- supplement the Beeb's existing commercial income. This will see global podcasts brought in line with, uh, let's say, BBC World News uh, TV channel um, uh, and also the BBC.com website, which shows adverts if it detects you have a non-UK IP addresses. And on those platforms you see advertising and people are used to that podcasts are going to get 30 second adverts at the start and end of each episode bob shannon who is director of bbc radio and music said quote podcasts are one way we're reinventing bbc radio to engage younger audiences with our world-class content the bbc has been challenged to generate more commercial income to supplement the license fee and this new deal will contribute to that now i should point out i think for full disclosure the bbc has partnered with acast to handle the commercial side of this arrangement now acast is also the distributor of text message and handles all of our advertising on our free version not the patreon version obviously um so i just wanted to make that really clear yes but they will also probably use us well they will be controlling those adverts probably more do you not think i mean not that we don't have a lot of say in what adverts go on but we're presumably with the commercial thing like that the bbc is going to be more careful than most would you think would you think i think it's a possibility but i suspect that anyone will have more input than we do on our ads because by design i don't know what our ads are until they go out on the show because i don't want anything to come between our journalism and what acast needs to do to make money off our show being popular but anyway i don't talk about acast particularly because i think it's uh, over a line Uh, but i do think that this is a very good move for the bbc regardless of who's providing the back end Ads are now able to be geo-targeted because services um, like Acast do have a, a geo-targeting system where it, it knows where you are in the world and can serve you an ad relevant to where you are. It also means you can be served ads on older shows that are still up to date because they're dynamically inserted into an MP3 at the point of delivery rather than being hard-coded into the content like um, many popular US shows are. But the BBC also, I mean, it's an incredibly popular provider of podcasts. I mean, they have a huge number of shows. You know, you look in the top charts of almost any category on iTunes or in Pocket Cast or any other podcast directory, and you can guarantee a good portion of them will originate in some form from the BBC. They have, you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads um, every week. So I think getting ads in there could make a difference to a bottom line and and maybe i don't know maybe this could sort of help generate more interest in the commercial side of of podcasting i think the bbc can do quite a lot with its with its influence and the fact that it's always been quite open to putting shows out in podcast form yeah i mean i think that the bbc uh, used to resist advertising a lot more even on uh, things like that weren't seen in the uk um, and the reason for that is simply that, that they feel that once they start doing advertising, then the argument will be made that it's a very good way to support the BBC and that that's how it should be done, uh, rather than using the licence fee, which is a very, very valuable tool. Um, and whilst it's not popular with everyone, it does offer a, a, a separate funding system that isn't relied, you know, reliant on commercial stuff and gives an, a, an amount of independence. Now, of course, if the BBC is taking advertising, I mean, they already do this, it's handled separately by a separate company uh, but even so you kind of think well you know at what point will they 
would people stop this if you if they're hearing podcasts going well it's ad supported or whatever um you know why why would they not then consider carrying that on but i think it's quite common i think pbs has podcasts with adverts on in the us um and pbs is supported by donations isn't it rather than uh ads yeah yeah i mean and, and we've got a two-tier model for text message of course which is that you know we want the majority of people to to be listening on our free version and, and always starting on our free version um and and you know putting up with the ads but then eventually hopefully people like the content want more of it each week get rid of the ads get more stories and things and, and move to a to the patreon tier yes. but and that and that works for us um and hopefully this model will work for the bbc because it'd be good to see them uh, get more money to invest back into podcasting which would be a wonderful result yes and they are do- they are now doing podcasts that aren't tied to radio programs aren't they or or extended podcasts uh, that offer a load more um features um, you know m- longer content so to speak um, yes, so they do. Quite, they do that for good. a few now. The news quiz extra is a, a popular one. In fact, Kate and I were listening to that last night. Uh, Infinite Monkey Cage. Al is pointing out in the chat room. That's another great one that they do extended. And I think there's there's quite a few other ones as well. Um, well, any thoughts you have on this or advertising in podcasting in general? Of course, very welcome. Hello at techpodcast.uk or tweet us at textmessagepod. Ian, Sky has said it's going to work with Amazon's AWS and its partners to identify and name guests on its live broadcast as they enter the chapel for the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle on the 19th of May. This is according to V3 this week. Now, we're going to keep our talk about the royal wedding to a minimum because, frankly... I don't give a damn about it. Uh, but I but but what I do give a damn about is the technology used to make anything more accessible to huge numbers of people. And so I do think that this is an interesting thing. Um it's going to use facial recognition, machine learning and image an- analysis in the cloud and so viewers will be able to see guests' names as subtitles in the broadcast uh, or if they're watching in the Sky app or on the website and they can then interact with those names to find out more information about the attendees. Now I I, I mean I I read this and my first thought was royal wedding don't care and then I thought hang on I could see many instances where this this could actually work quite well you know I'd love to see the idea of being able to pick out yourself if you were at a festival you know if you think about some of the live festivals that get broadcast on TV like Leeds Reading and Glastonbury and things it'd be quite fun wouldn't it to somehow no No? all right no I can't see that it's worth the invasion of privacy what if it wasn't individuals then? What if it was like, because a lot of bands go and watch other bands when you're watching live. What if you, what if, if that, if you could just see like what famous people or celebrities or singers or something were in the crowd at the time? I'm getting less fond of this idea as I'm saying. I it, to still be don't care. No, I, d- I don't, I don't see that this is adding very much. I mean, I, <clears throat> for this, I suppose, well, okay, here's my opinion on the, the Royal Wedding thing, really. Um, I think the issue really is that it's full of people who I don't know and I don't really care about. Um, I'm very happy for them. I don't mind them getting married. I think it's sweet. Uh, they seem to be a nice couple. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I don't see what all the fuss is about. It's like, the, it's like the Oscars when they talk about what dress someone's wearing. I mean, really? Who cares? Well, I'll be honest I, with you, mate. When I worked at Condé Nast at Wired and you know I worked alongside Glamour and vogue and gq and things and the sad thing i realized is that the answer to who cares is a lot of people 
and it's just a sad fact people really yeah. really really care about this stuff and so all right well i mean i suppose it's not particularly fair of me to say that they they don't have any right to care about who's wearing what or who is there um i just don't see that it matters that much but for something like this where it's all about who's there you know what's going on why 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 is this a big deal um i can see the logic to that well, you can see the next step, right, is that they identify who they are, but then you can also identify what they're wearing and who made it and connect that to some kind of offline, <sighs> you know, yeah. e-commerce experience, rather, as a Buy direct now. responsible. Exactly, yeah. If um, me of Starship Troopers. The whole thing is Starship Troopers. Fewer aliens at a royal wedding, I would imagine. <laughs> no, well, true, but you, but you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot in that film. They make it very obvious that you know everything's a. There's a lot of sort of interactive, targeted advertising designed at getting you to sign up and uh, fight the war. Um, I'm not saying we're going to have a war or anything, but I just think that the idea of you know this kind of <laughs> this kind of um, silliness and, and interactivity isn't going anywhere but commercially it's just going to be about selling crap can i tell you a story about a, um, a royal uh, piece of memorabilia uh yes of course <laughs> it was i was going to get the train the other night and um i was i was uh, needed to get something from wh smith so i was queuing up and the guy in front of me was trying to uh, buy two commemorative Meghan and Harry plates uh, at, at quarter to ten on a, f- a Friday or a Thursday night or whatever. Um, and, uh, and, he, and he had his debit card and the guy was like, OK, you tap it on the thing now. And he was an old gentleman uh, and he t- he's tapping the thing on. And I'm like, that's not a contactless card. And then the guy behind the counter said to the guy next to the counter, what's going on? Why is it not working? He said, it's fine. It's fine. Guy keeps tapping. it. He goes, oh, it's not contactless. So then we have to go through the fiasco of him deciding instead not to pay with a card but instead with cash i was waiting for you know my train is about to leave i'm perspiring heavily because of the panic uh and and then it just went on and on and and, and eventually he walked off with his commemorative plates which i, I don't know why you'd buy that in a in a smith's a, a, a train station did you enjoy that story Nate? i i i loved it yes i mean that's exactly the kind of stuff that that gets saved uh exclusively for our patrons <laughs> to hear the 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 subtle madness that occurs behind the show sometimes <laughs> lucky patrons um do you remember wishing that there were other commemorative plates you could have bought at the time do you think we should make commemorative plates of our faces for the podcast i do think we should do that absolutely would you like to eat a sausage off my face i would love to eat a sausage off your face hmm. and i'd love to hear about you eating porridge out of my m- mouth or something in a bowl form in a bowl yeah Hmm. Well, um, if any, if you know anyone that can make us a commemorative plate, yeah. Hello. What, um, what would you like to eat, and off whose face would you like to eat it? Uh, let us know. Obviously, hello at techpodcast.uk. Well, I think I. Th- I mean, personally, I. Th- I think on the image recognition stuff, I-, I think it's a good move. I can see where it's going, and frankly, there's a lot of benefit to broadcasters to try and increase the popularity of watching something you know, live and, and making it interactive or having a second screen experience. And I think if you're the sort of person that wants to watch a royal wedding, of which I think Ian and I have clearly established we are not, um, it it's probably a fun way of, of you know, enjoying it in a another way. I'd be, I'd be interested to see it. I won't have the opportunity to, I don't think. Hmm. Well, let us know any thoughts, obviously, you have on this. And if you'll be watching the royal wedding and whether you'll be looking out for your favourite celebrity.
One quick one we just wanted to touch on uh, when we finish, because we did talk about this being this new law being drafted, I think maybe last year. The Advertising Standards Authority has said that any advertisements for broadband speeds that breach rules set to take effect on the 23rd of May this month will be banned. So the ASA's new rules require providers to include an average speed for their service between 8pm and 10pm. That's obviously peak rate. They will not any longer be able to advertise, quote, speeds of up to, end quote, which currently can be available to just 10% of their customers to be within the law um, that allows them to display those speeds. And they'll have to give details of any limitations that might affect speeds. Some people have feared the new rules are going to cause confusion for consumers, the BBC wrote. Um, the Beeb cited a chap called Andrew Ferguson from Think Broadband who said the new rules are going to mean very different figures are going to appear in adverts, on providers' sites and on comparison listings. Uh, he also said there's a lot more scope for confusion or for providers to game the system to appear faster than their competitors. Ian, I don't know how much of a problem this is going to be in terms of confusion, right? Ah, right, yes. So I'm glad you mentioned this because I was talking uh, to someone about this yesterday. Um, the I don't think any of this really helps, does it? It's um, I think I feel like customers expect full speed. They expect that they expect to get 80 meg or 200 meg, and that's because that's what they've been sold. They don't expect to get 500 meg because they haven't been sold that. So really, I think um, in, if, if we can't, if broadband providers can't guarantee a certain amount of speed, then they either have to not sell anything based on speed and just assume that people will assume they'll get certain things, um, or they need to say, you know, speed's a variable. Because it's not, you know, it, but also, do customers really understand the intricacies of all of this stuff? I no, don't. but that's why advertising needs to be clear and fair. Yes, it does. And but I find this very difficult because um so for example, um BT with all the with all the will, best will in the world, for example, um would say to you, okay, you've got this 80 meg broadband connection, uh that's how that's how fast it can go. Um but of course, if lots of people are using the same bit of it at the same time, then it will, that will have an impact on it. The same as was always true of Virgin. Um if you're on a street that's very busy, then there is a thing where you get congestion in the local bit. So th- there's only a certain amount of bandwidth in the coax that goes from your house back to the cabinet. And a lot of people share that single or those coax cables or whatever. whatever. Um, so really, again, it, it's very difficult to be sure about what's happening. You could, you, you could argue that they have to put a new cable down for every house, but that's completely impractical. Uh, so, but they also, they can't be expected to know if there's two people on the same street who are going to be downloading at full speed the whole time. They can't be expected to know that. I do have some sympathy for broadband providers. And also, you don't know what what stupid things people do again you know I've got a cable in here Um, now if I put my broadband router in the cupboard where it's designed to go I've only got a 10 meg connection back to my computer now that isn't anyone's fault but mine really is it um or or you know so at least it's certainly not virgin's fault i nearly called them in a in an angry rage about it but then i discovered that it was actually a cabling issue here there are so many things about broadband that affect speed from the quality of the you know adsl filters you use through to uh you know the kind of cabling you use or whether you use wi-fi or whatever yeah um, and depending on the generation of wi-fi you have if you've got like yeah, an old iphone that doesn't have ac wi-fi you're not going to get the full speeds that the top end virgin media connections yeah. can actually and I have 
Offer. I, was, I have AC Wi-Fi here and it's not quick enough to go the full speed of Virgin. Like on anything I own in this house, it's ridiculous. So again, you know, I, I, I think it's absolutely fine. But I, I do wonder if, um, if a lot of broadband issues aren't in fact the result of people not understanding what you can and can't do. And of course, I, I completely agree that, you know, you can't sell things as unlimited if they're not unlimited and you shouldn't probably sell things as being an absolute guarantee of speed but i think by this point surely the message should have been from the start broadband speeds do vary um you probably won't get exactly the full speed all the time you know and of course that's not to excuse under investment but most companies are working pretty hard to make you know the networks good so you know i don't know i feel like i for some reason stood up for broadband providers there even though it's a very very I mean, uh, you know, has the world gone mad? I guess it's sometimes nice to just think of it from the from the uh, from a, a different perspective. Like I would be as cross as anyone if I wasn't getting the two hundred meg that I paid for. But again, if I wasn't getting the two hundred meg that I paid for, and it really was Virgin's fault, then I would call them and say, "Look, it's probably not worth me being on two hundred meg if I can't get it. Put me on one hundred meg." Um, and I hope that they would do that. Although contractually, I think I'm obliged to do. 200 meg for 12 months or whatever well one uh, of our you know. one of our new live listeners dawson 001 said in chat just now we live uh, he says he lives in a new build estate with fiber to the home all of the broadband issues people have here are usually user errors i can completely believe that if you've got fiber coming into the home because i bet that's probably pushing i don't know how fast that probably is gigabit maybe well, fi- fiber direct could be a gigabit yeah. it is in some new builds like uh, those i can't giga clear or whatever they're called oh 300 um, meg he says I mean, it's still yeah. very, very fast, and you'd need AC for that in order to, and, well, and 5 even gigahertz. Then you, even then, you wouldn't be able to do 300 megabits a second on AC. I mean, as much as they might claim it's possible, it, you can. it isn't. You can, because I get well, 390 can... over AC. Really? Yeah. How? 5 gigahertz, very low interference, because I don't really have neighbours. Yeah, true. You, um, you live in the middle of nowhere, don't you? And I've got 400 meg broadband, so... Mind you, I'm about to embark on a on a router test, uh, a mesh network test for um, a site. So I'm I'm going to be using a, a, a number of different products. Hopefully, I'll be able to reach a decent conclusion about it, about which one is best for speed and stuff like that. But obviously, people care more about Wi-Fi, you know, being able to get Wi-Fi in all of their house than they do about speed. I think because actually, I'm the same. I don't care if my iPhone gets 300 megabits per second. It doesn't make any difference to me for the most part. Because all I do on that is maybe watch a bit of video, which comes in well under that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's easy. So, yeah. Oh, we should we should point out as well that the Ofcom recently did the broadband results. Um, and, oh, this is uh, broadband and phone service. Broadband, most likely to recommend Virgin Media, least likely to recommend Talk Talk. How yeah. surprising. Not, I know. I'm not covering those anymore because they, they're the same every year because the biggest always get <laughs> hated. So, Well, no, because Virgin Media is huge. Yeah, but and it's still most likely to recommend. And it, and Talk Talk shouldn't be in business. Let's check into our bulging sack of mail, Ian, shall we? We've got this in from Raphael, who said, "Hi, really like your podcast. Recently become a supporter on Patreon. Thank you very much, Raphael." Uh, wanted to tell you that while I listened to the episodes about Facebook issue, you didn't give any alternative for the people who would like to leave it. This is a very good point, Raphael. We didn't. Um, there's a good alternative that I'm using called Diaspora and uh, includes a link that we'll include in the show notes. Now, I had actually heard of this 
Um, Me too. But he describes it in a nutshell as a decentralized and censorship-resistant social network. You have several quote-unquote pods you can choose from, and uh, and if the pod you join doesn't suit you, you can leave it, or uh, you can download all of your data from it and move it to a new one, or create your own from scratch. And he says he's created one for his country of Switzerland, because one didn't exist. Uh, keep up the good work, he says, and hope this will be helpful to you and your listeners. Uh, it is. I'd be, I'd be very interested to know if any other listeners are using Diaspora or, or other alternatives to Facebook. I mean, my alternative to Facebook has actually become WhatsApp, which is ironic since it's uh, owned by Facebook. But I find more and more all of my planning and arrangements and, and sharings of, of what I used to share on Facebook all go directly through WhatsApp groups, um, of which Ian is in several if not most <laughs> well yeah i mean and, and that is um there is some truth in the fact that um you know people are socializing outside of facebook you know because whatsapp is useful although it's still facebook isn't it um but i the problem is you everyone is on facebook that that has happened now um and if i want to connect with people it's going to happen on facebook um this is a problem. There's no solution to this problem because there is no alternative. I mean, I understand what he's saying about that being a good service, but unless I can get every one of my friends on it, it doesn't have the same value and I'm going to have to keep my Facebook account open. Wait, on, our, on the Patreon version of last week's show, in the extended, one of the extended stories we talked about uh, was covering Google's Gmail self-destruct option and, and variety of other features because Ian got access to some, but not all of them. Uh, we'd asked people how they thought the... Uh, auto deletion of emails would work which is uh, one of the new gmail features coming in and we didn't get anyone telling us that they had this new self-destruct option but richard wrote in and said that he imagines the way that it will work logically is that the email doesn't go to the recipient rather a link to a secure web page containing the email would be sent the link will only be valid for x amount of time and then the page goes uh, and then the page it goes to won't allow you to do anything with it. That way you don't need to bother with support. And he reckons it will probably be connected to Google Drive. Now, I think that is an, a very good way of, of doing this because we were, we were talking about, well, if you set an email to auto-delete and you send it from Gmail and it goes to an iCloud account, the iCloud system and the Gmail system don't interoperate other than basic send and receive. So you can't remove something from a third-party inbox. But this idea of Richard's suggests uh, a way around that. We don't know if this is the actual way around. So if anyone has got access to this self-deleting feature, some people do already have access to this, I'd love to uh, figure out how it works. Maybe send us one, hello at techpodcast.uk. But ideally, don't set it to delete for a week because we do need to keep it for next week's show. Um, Mm. But yes, you can send that or any thoughts to hello at techpodcast.uk. Let's check in with our friend of the show, Tom Merritt from Daily Tech News Show. Tom, what's been going on this week? Hey, thanks. This week on DTNS, Patrick Norton tells us why we should care about our monitors and how to tell when it's time to upgrade to 4K or maybe beyond. Of course, we break down all the Facebook news from the F8 Developer Conference, including Engadget's Nicole Lee explaining why Facebook may now be winning at AR and VR, broke down the Apple earnings in light of all the mistaken hype leading up to it, and decided why we might be okay with letting Amazon scan our bodies. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com.
Thank you, Tom. Although I'll be honest, Amazon ain't scanning any part of my body. I don't want a future in which I log in and my recommended items include weight reduction products or gym equipment. Uh, in fact, I actually try and maintain my Amazon shopping experience to be strictly a clothes-on affair. Except for that time, Ian, you and I, I think we drank too much at a bar, but it, it was a <laughs> one-off. And we were a lot younger. and We've all made mistakes, Nate, haven't we? We have, yeah, certainly we Not did. Not that I think it was a mistake. No, it was just unplanned and unexpected. <laughs> um, a, a big clothes-on bear hug to our patrons supporting us every week, including Michael Kepper, Michael Wigmore, Ricky Wakefield, Guy West MacDonald, Richard Taylor, Heather Delaney, just some of the wizards <laughs> magicking financial support <laughs> our way each week. If you're not yet a patron but would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cuts, live streaming, access to our Discord members club, as well as our special weekly features and outtakes, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and find out how you can support us with zero commitment and instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows. We had a a very interesting few extra stories in uh, this week about YouTube stars and uh, what else did we talk about? Zuckerberg being locked up in a bell tower. So uh, they're out now in the Patreon version. Send any comments to hello at techpodcast.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at textmessagepod. Please leave a review in iTunes. It's the best way of supporting us for free, and it helps just as much. So from me, Nate Slankson. And me, Ian Morris. We'll see you in a week. <laughs>